Hello and welcome to the Tech Narratives Podcast. My name is Jan Dawson. This is episode 70, the episode for Wednesday, October 4th. And as I mentioned yesterday, I'm recording a little later than usual. I had to wait until I got home from my trip to New York to record. So I'm recording this later in the evening and hopefully you guys will still catch it either later in the evening or in the morning tomorrow. I have 10 items to run through for you today that I've written about on the site and then five items in the roundup at the end. We'll kick things off with the first of two events that happened today that I'll be covering. Uh, This is the one I attended in person. This was the Sonos voice launch this morning in New York City. And uh, this there were really two main components, but a few other bits and pieces to this. The first is that the uh, Alexa integration that Sonos has been testing for a long time, whereby you control existing Sonos speakers through Alexa, uh, is going live uh, finally in a public beta. It's been uh, in testing by employees and then by a very limited set of customers for some time now. That's finally going public now. Uh, And it's quite a tight integration, so you don't have to go through the awkward phraseology of invoking Sonos first and then invoking uh, or or giving a specific command. You just basically say, you know, play music here or play music there, and it's it's tightly integrated into Alexa itself, which is a cut above a lot of other skills uh, on Alexa. Second part is the first voice speaker from Sonos, which is called the Sonos One, basically replaces the Play One at the same price point of $200. And this is sort of a premium to the other voice speakers that are in sort of mainstream market today. In the context of Google's announcements this afternoon, it's now in an interesting spot, uh, which we can talk about a little bit later. But essentially, Sonos is going to be trying to major on multi-room user experience and on the fact that its products are designed for people who like what they call culture, which is really a combination of design, a love for music, things like that. So it's tricky positioning. It's quite subtle differentiation. I think that might be a bit challenging for them, especially given the products that are coming soon uh, to the market at the higher end of the market. But great for them to finally get into this space. And they have some really solid products, great brand to build on here. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Second, this was a story from uh, Tuesday night, actually, uh, after I recorded Tuesday's episode. But the Uber board approved uh, both new members of the board uh, nominated by Travis Kalanick a few days back and also changes to governance there, which will see them add significantly more board seats and dilute the voting power and so on of Travis Kalanick. A set of changes that were being pushed by the new CEO as well as by Benchmark and other shareholders those went through. Travis Kalanick, somewhat strangely, issued a statement welcoming the changes, even though they're clearly designed at limiting his power, which is a bit odd. Um, there are still one or two uh, people with board influence who object to all of this, but this looks like it might finally allow Uber to move forward uh, in a way that limits Travis Kalanick's power, allows the soft bank investment to go ahead, and so on and so forth. So good thing for Uber on balance. Next three items are all about Google, and I'll probably do a deeper dive on the Google announcements later in the week on the Beyond Devices podcast. We'll have a bit of more time to talk about these, so I'll just hit the highlights briefly here. First item is about the Pixel smartphones. I'm linking here to TechMeme because it's got a good roundup of lots of different ways to read about the announcements. Uh, This was obviously sort of the headliner of this event. Smartphones obviously the biggest category in which Google participates, even though it's a very tiny player in that category. Good solid advancements uh, over last year's phones, sort of smaller bezels, at least on the larger of the two devices, in keeping with this year's trend. No wireless charging, no dual cameras, unlike, say, the iPhones and uh, Samsung's Galaxy Note device. 
from this year. Uh, but solid advances. Big disappointment to see them go Verizon again. I think they're, they're stupid, frankly, to link, limit their distribution in this way. It means they're going to suffer from exactly the same problems they had with distribution last year. And so they're clearly serious about the hardware. They don't yet seem completely serious about actually trying to sell that hardware. It's a very strange thing. Uh, and the pricing is a bit funny too. There's a $200 differential, differential between the two sizes, despite the fact that Google made a big deal in the announcement about the fact that there's feature parity. So this is really just about the size of screen and battery uh, rather than any feature difference. So it's it's odd pricing too. So all the sort of four of the five Ps other than product itself feel like they're a bit funny from a marketing perspective here. And that's something I'm writing about in my column for Tech Opinions tomorrow. Secondly, there was the uh, changes to the home lineup. So the larger and smaller home devices announced, the Mini and the Max, both of which, of course, were leaked and reported over the last couple of weeks already. So no huge surprises there. I guess the biggest surprise is Max pricing. It's $400, so even more expensive than Apple's HomePod and very much at that sort of premium audio end of the market. Some clever stuff where it can operate in two different orientations. It's stereo if it's in landscape orientation. It's mono if it's in portrait orientation. Uh, but really sort of high-end audio there, positioning in a space where Amazon doesn't have a play. Of course, Apple is coming very soon, uh, and where Sonos will presumably eventually go with the rest of its lineup, although it's not there yet. So again, providing some interesting challenges for Sonos as it enters that market there. Uh, but good to compete in an area where Amazon isn't yet and also announcing Spotify integrations coming soon and various other things. So it uh, should be some broad support for music through, the, through those devices. And the Mini, of course, will compete very effectively against the Echo Dot. On the whole, much prettier devices, much better looking, things you'd actually want to put prominently in your home compared to the Echo devices, which continue even with their new design to be pretty industrial looking. And then the third Google uh, piece that I wrote today was just about the other stuff that was announced. So the Pixelbook Chromebook, the uh, earbuds called Pixel Buds, and then AI-powered camera called Google Clips. Um, I won't spend a ton of time on these. The Pixel Book continues to be a strange product. Chromebooks are compelling mostly because they're cheap and simple, and this is a premium version of it, which has never made any sense in the first iteration, doesn't make any more sense now. Uh, the Pixel Buds, uh, sort of direct competitor to AirPods and to some extent Beats X, given that these are more what they call neck buds rather than truly cordless. Uh, they carry the Google Assistant. There's some clever stuff in there with real-time language translation, which, of course, the vast majority of us would never actually use. Uh, when are you going to find yourself in the situation where you, A, need that, and B, have another party that's using the same technology? Never. So it makes for a great demo, but it's not really a major feature in practical terms. And then Google Clips is this little camera which uses AI to decide when to take pictures and videos and then stores those and allows you to select which ones you want to keep and possibly share and so on. Very clever idea, but again, feels like a category that doesn't exist today from a company that really doesn't have a history or presence in hardware and therefore can't really create a new category. Uh, so again, clever use for AI technology, very unlikely to actually be used by anybody. Um, so slightly puzzling in that way. And you'd think Google would want to focus on categories where it could really make a difference, like Android Wear, for example where we still haven't seen a first-party product from Google. All right, that clears up the Google announcements for today. Number six, uh, Facebook story here from Digiday. Uh, it's got some numbers from a third-party metrics company that says Facebook's watch videos have an average watch time of just 23 seconds. That's absolutely tiny, but it's actually slightly more than the average watch time for videos in the news feed, which is about 17 seconds. So a slight improvement there. Worth noting that the um, smallest amount of time that a video uh, can play before a mid-roll ad shows is 20 seconds. So probably not a coincidence that the cutoff has been around that 20-second mark because at that point it shows an, an ad and many people probably switch off at that point. So it continues to be a huge challenge for Facebook to overcome that 
uh, abandonment rate where there's mid-roll videos continues to be a huge challenge for monetization, both for Facebook and its partners and so on. I really think they need to move away from mid-roll ads and towards pre-roll and other formats uh, to try to monetize better, get people watching videos longer. Number seven, Amazon, not to be outdone today, launched Echo Devices and Alexa launch in India. It will be coming to Japan over the next few months as well, but it's launching in India immediately on an invite-only basis, which is the way the original Echo launched in the U.S. as well. That will broaden as they uh, get the devices in supply and so on and work out kinks, that kind of thing. Fascinating to see them go to India before they've gone, say, to Canada, which has been clamoring for Echo for a long time, clearly speaks basically the same language as the U.S. Um, be a much easier task to convert Alexa for use in Canada. Uh, Australia, another English-speaking market where Amazon's just finally building up a presence where it would have been a very logical place for them to take Alexa as well, certainly less complicated uh, than taking it to Indian English and, and support for all the local services and so on in India. So it's really just a sign of just how seriously Amazon is now taking India. Huge leap forward over the last few months and how serious they are about it, how much they're investing there. This is just the latest sign of that. It's going to be quite expensive, so it's going to have a limited addressable market, people who are wealthy and speak English, of which there's presumably quite a bit of overlap. Uh, but very interesting to see them doing that there. Number eight, Apple issued a software update in watchOS 4 to fix the Wi-Fi LTE bug in the new Apple Watch with LTE. Uh, that was a huge problem for some reviewers um, when they reviewed the Apple Watch. I certainly haven't seen it in my own use over the past week or so. Uh, but it was a, a huge issue for some reviewers, and this fixes that. should never have happened in the first place. The device should never have been launched with that bug in it. It's bizarre that Apple didn't find the bug sooner, uh, but good to see them working quickly uh, to issue what's presumably a fairly simple fix, and hopefully they can now move on from that and have a very successful broader launch. Number nine, the information has some data about how many people subscribe to the various online pay TV streaming services like DirecTV Now, Sling, Direct, um, YouTube TV, and so on. Overall, it seems to be about 3.5 million subscribers between those various services. Uh, they talk a little bit about Hulu having 15 million overall subscribers now. The, they, their take on the whole thing is that this stuff really hasn't taken off yet. It's performing poorly. The reality is in the early running, you had services from companies with no existing brand like Sling, and you had services that were very limited in terms of the devices where they were available and that kind of thing, like PlayStation View. Uh, both of those things have started to be fixed. I think Sling's becoming more prominent. PlayStation View is now really quite a compelling service in some ways. Um, but you've also had launches from much bigger brands like AT&T with DirecTV Now. YouTube and Hulu obviously already have strong presence in the TV and video markets. And both Hulu and YouTube TV are going to be doing big marketing pushes over the next few weeks. So I predict this stuff is going to grow a lot faster in future. Worth noting, too, that that 3.5 million or so is less than the number of cord cutters over the last few years. So it's not like cord cutters are all switching to these services even if they were, of course, these are much skinnier bundles, and therefore all of this is still bad news for cable networks, uh, which have been losing subscribers pretty rapidly, certainly much more rapidly than cord cutting alone would suggest. And then lastly today, uh, two quick follow-ups on items from the last few days. Uh, the EU has formally taken action against Amazon over uh, taxes that it should have paid, and uh, according to the EU, hasn't uh, in Luxembourg. Luxembourg had a similar agreement with Amazon to the agreement that Ireland had with Apple. Uh, which was the subject of another action from the EU today, which is basically punishing uh, Ireland over not collecting the taxes owed by Apple. That's quite complicated. There's a lot of money. They've got to figure out the right escrow system. They've got to find people to manage the money so that it, earn, it earns interest equivalent to what Apple itself would earn if it was managing that money. So complex thing, but the EU really pushing forward on this thing, part of the broader push by the EU against US tech companies along several fronts, of which taxation is one, antitrust stuff with Google is a second one, privacy is a third front, 
uh, and there's big regulation and changes coming in the next year or so in Europe around privacy that's going to affect Facebook and Google and others. So, as I say, ongoing story there about the EU uh, fighting back against US tech companies. That's the 10 items that I read about on the site today, just five other items to round out for you. Two of these relate to the Google announcements. They're two interviews that The Verge had. One's with Rick Ostelo, who runs hardware at Google. The other one is with Sundar Pichai, who's the CEO of Google. Uh, the first focus is naturally on hardware. The second focus is sort of on AI and this AI first push that Sundar Pichai is leading there. So linking to both of those is interesting background reading on today's announcements. Third, Bloomberg has a sort of deeper dive on the spat between Apple and Qualcomm. Some of the interesting history there and how Apple and Samsung kind of ganged up against Qualcomm there. Uh, so lots of interesting detail if you're interested in that lawsuit and how that's all uh, going and, and what the background is there. Fourth is a piece from BuzzFeed about Rupert Murdoch as arguably the most powerful foe of Facebook and Google in the media. Uh, I, I increasingly convinced that the fuss over Facebook and Google and political advertising and so on in the last few weeks is stoked in part by these media companies that are desperate to show that Facebook and Google are a force for bad rather than good in the world. There's huge tension that I've talked about a lot over the last few months uh, between Facebook and Google and the news organizations. And so this is playing into all of that. But Rupert Murdoch, a pivotal figure in that at News Corp uh, and Fox, uh, who's clearly involved in that fight. And then lastly, really interesting piece from the New York Times about a small autonomous driving company that's testing its cars in retirement communities, sort of gated retirement communities where there are far fewer rules on how they can operate, very limited scenarios in which they can operate, which makes it very easy to train them and test them and so on. So interesting story there on the autonomous driving front. As usual, links to all of those as well as the other stuff that I've written about today on uh, in the show notes. So you can go check those out and link to those if you're interested in that. Should be back with a normal episode at the normal time tomorrow, Thursday for you. Uh, thanks very much for listening. I'm back with you tomorrow. Bye-bye.